Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Well, good morning, Renovation Church. Good morning to all of our campuses. We've got more campuses than we ever thought about, right? We just didn't know before. So uh, actually, I can say that this morning with, with, uh, without just being trying to be funny, even though it was funny, obviously. But have you ever done this? Talked about something for weeks, maybe even months, or maybe even for a year or two that you know you should be doing, but you just are not doing it. Something along the way got your attention. Something along the way, whether it was information, whether it was a circumstance, whether it was a going to the doctor and finding out about your health, or maybe with your accountant and finding out about your finances, or maybe a counselor realizing about your marriage. Who knows? But you, along the way, uh, attention was given to you, or you, it got your attention, and you looked at it and go, okay, that makes sense. I agree with that, but you do nothing with it. What would be happening right now if you would have uh, started living out a few months ago what you know you should have been doing? Six months ago, a year ago, especially in the middle of COVID-19, could we go back a few months ago, man, I wish I'd have started that or wish I'd have known where the stock market was going. Maybe there's a lot of things you wish you'd have known, but the reality is something had gotten your attention along the way, but you've put it off. But I want to share with you today, right up front, this message today is not about regret. Maybe about reflection, but it's not about regret. It is about what am I going to do today? Where am I going today? We're continuing our series in Ashes to Fire, and, and no doubt the disciples, as we have looked at over the last many weeks, wish they had paid more attention that they maybe would have acted on things that they were, you know, or maybe even asked more questions. And along the way, they did ask questions that, that as we read Scripture. But especially if they had understood Jesus' mission a little better, because apparently along the way, they misunderstood it. But I love in John chapter 14, verses 27 and 29, and again, I'm not going to get way into 14. We may do that next week. But Jesus says, peace I leave with you. How many of you are wanting peace in the middle of all this? Yeah, he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Because what did he do every time we showed it in the upper room or when he, when he showed up for the disciples first, what's the first thing he said? Peace be with you. When he showed up to Thomas, what did he say? Peace be with you. He wanted to say that up front. And, but here he's saying, and, infer, and, and again, we don't know that he's reflecting back as we are referring here that's recorded in John 14. But he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives you. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Then verse 29 says, I have told you now before it happens. So when it does happen, you will believe. 
Now, he's talking about the Holy Spirit there. There's a lot of things we'll get into over the next couple of weeks. But what Jesus is saying and and what we all crave, I think, is peace. Not to say that everything around us is not in an uproar, but in in our soul, in the depths of who we are, we want peace. Well, I want to read a passage of Scripture for you today. We're going to talk about a passage of Scripture that is one of my favorites. And I know sometimes that you shouldn't say that, but, but, it, but, it, but it is. And it's John chapter 21, and it's going to be Jesus interfacing with Peter. But let me set up the, the verse first. That Jesus now appearing to the disciples for the third time. And he's appearing to them, uh, and, and they're out fishing. They've gone out to fish, and he tells them where to throw the net, throw it on the other side, and they get this boatload of fish. And then Peter realizes that, in, in, that Jesus is on the shore talking to them. He's so excited, we guess. He jumps out of the boat, and he comes to the shore, and they have, what again, what I've said about Jesus. They have a meal. <laughs> Jesus seems, to, where Jesus is, there seems to be a meal involved, which, again, that gives us great hope for heaven, right? So, so again, so they're, they're eating breakfast, and this is found in John 21. I'm just going to read 15 through 19. Now, 20 through 23 is significant also. Uh, obviously, uh, all Scripture is significant, but it's talking about John, but we're not going to talk about that today. I want to focus, if I can stay on track here, focus on Peter. Here we go. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord. He said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, Jesus, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus says, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus says, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourselves and, and, where you, and went where you wanted. But when you're old, you will, stretch out, you, you will stretch out your hands and someone will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by, by, Peter, by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Now, there's a lot of different directions we could go here with this. Why was it said three times? Well, there's, a, you know, Peter denied Jesus three times. Is that why? We could talk about what it means to feed my sheep or take care of my sheep, which is significant also. But that's not what we're going to focus today. We're going to focus more on the interaction of Jesus asking the questions. Because one thing that makes it tough on Peter, if you think about it here, they're having breakfast And Peter is being asked these questions in front of the other disciples. Now, sometimes as I was reading that this week, it's just hit me as I was studying going, you know, so many times we we read this and go, well, Jesus had Peter sitting aside and they were just having this conversation. And maybe so, but it seems like he's asking him these questions right in front of the other disciples. Was it the fact that the other disciples needed to hear Peter's response to Jesus? Was it the fact that Jesus needed to recommission or reinstate Peter to these, in front of these disciples so they would know going forward that they could loyally follow Peter's leadership? 
Not, not sure, but one of the things is you, if we broke down the types of love that Peter responds to, the first time, first few times Peter responds, it's the lowest form of the, Greek, of, of the definition of the Greek word for love. And there's no doubt in the middle of all this, Peter has lost his self-confidence. And maybe to some point been wrung out of him, even though Jesus has showed up to, to, and he's seen Jesus, he's seen him alive, but maybe Jesus hasn't given him any real direct direction at this point. We don't know all the conversations, but Peter chooses the weaker form of love to respond here. And the other reason I think Peter would probably do this, if you know Peter's life and you know his personality, up to, his character up to this point, he liked to say things and then think about it later. <laughs> and kind of process it. Peter had this tendency to jump out front, make some great statement, and then not really realize what he had said. So maybe at this point, Peter's trying to measure it. He's trying to not overcommit to Jesus, to say to Jesus, this is how much I love you. But he says to Jesus, you know my heart. Why would I even try to fool you on this one? You know me. But here's what I believe the biggest reason Jesus is asking this question. And again, it's my interpretation. Do with it as you wish. I believe Jesus wants to get Peter's attention. I believe Jesus wants to get our attention. Basically, what he's saying is, Peter, I need you to look me in the eyes. I'm going to ask you multiple times here, and it's going, it may hurt, because Peter says, it, it, it says it, 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 the scripture says it hurt Peter. But Jesus is willing to risk that part, right? He's willing to risk that it sting a little bit just for, to get Peter's undivided attention. Because attention is one of the most powerful forces in the world. See, being heard is not enough. I would say week in, week out, when we do get to meet, or you're sitting at your house today or wherever you are, sitting at a park watching this or wherever you may be, you may hear the words I say today, but it's different than hearing and having your attention. You may read the word day in, day out, but you may be reading it and hearing it, if you will, through your eyes. And you may, like me sometimes, I'd rather read out loud. It helps me when I'm by myself to read out loud the scripture. But there's a difference between hearing and having your attention. Jesus says, and it'd be the way my mom, especially, my dad didn't do it as much, but my mom did. When she would say, Kurt, Sidney Gentry, Jesus, Simon, son of John. <laughs> not the rock, not Petros, not Peter, Simon, son of John. Peter had to be thinking, this is not going to go well right here. <laughs> and when my parents used to think that, when I would say, when my mom especially would say my full name like that, the only two options I think I had at that point was one, pay attention, or the other was what? Run. <laughs> if we had 40 acres on our property, there were times I did run, okay? But I always came home, and then there was more. It was worse. One of the things I've learned as a pastor over the years 
when people are going through difficult times, when something has gotten their attention for what either self-inflicted or circumstances or whatever it may be, had nothing to do with them, but then they're in the middle of it. Something has gotten their attention. There's one thing I learned quickly many years ago is the thing people value as much as direction or insight in that moment, what they value as much as your undivided attention. That in that moment, the presence of another human being who actually will listen, who actually will pay attention, that they in that moment believe that their hearts and what's in their life really matters and there are no distractions. They are locked in. I mean, paying attention, giving attention can transform a life. Jesus says in the Gospels, and he says it in Revelations to the churches, Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Another way of saying that is, Listen up, pay close attention. Because what Jesus is saying in the translation, it means that the hearer doesn't just need to hear the noise. It doesn't just need to hear somebody saying something. They need to take what's being said and put it, take it deeply into their lives. And then at that point, point go, how does this apply to me? Instead of saying, oh yeah, I... That got my attention. Yes, I went to that seminar. Yes, I went to the doctor. No, it's more than finding out the information. It's now I'm going to do something with the information. I'm going to make a difference. And see, I don't think Jesus asked Peter three times, Peter, do you love me more than these? Because Jesus didn't know the answer. And to be fair to Peter and the disciples, we still don't know at this point all the conversation that Jesus had with them. He, we don't know how much direction he had given them at this point. Maybe the reason why they're back fishing is because that's all they knew to go do. To be, to be fair to them at that point. But do you love me more than these, Peter? Do you love me more than these other disciples here? That we're sitting. Peter, do you love me more than fishing? Peter, do you love me? Peter, what has gotten, or is there anything between you and me? Is there anything that's stacked above where you need to be with me? We live in a world today that getting someone's attention is difficult if you're in the room with them. I mean, between receiving text, someone watching social media and following, the in-person conversation has been damaged and hopefully someday it'll be repaired, but man, I don't see a lot of signs of it at this point. Because whatever has your attention has your mind. And whatever has your mind has your time. Whatever has your time has your treasure in your heart. Jesus says, wherever, whatever you value, whatever you treasure, that's where your heart will be. Whatever you're focused on, it could be good. It could be bad. It could be amoral or neutral and to some degree. Often it's unknowing. Often it's almost habitual that it's, that it's eating your mind of. I'm not about you. 
I mean, when I gave my attention to Jan 35 years ago, she took it. I don't even know if I gave it to her, but she was on my mind all the time. If you've ever been in love, or at least thought it was love, <laughs> you know how it is, how it just rolls over in your mind. You're almost, you're hopefully productive in most, you're, you're, you're highly functioning mess at that point because you're in love. <laughs> hopefully you can go to work and do all those things. But the reality is though, it's on your mind. But man, can it go the other way? And I was thinking about this, you know, fear can get us there. Love and fear, I don't think, coexist very well together. And so when we begin to give our attention, what are we giving our attention to right now? I know for me, I have to be real careful not checking the news more often than I should. Because the reality is there's really not a whole lot I can do about it. I'm not even sure the information I'm getting that day. You could probably check it once a week and stay up to speed. Now, I realize as a leader and as a leader of this church, I've got to stay as informed as I can on certain things. But the reality is on some of it is people are just projecting. And unfortunately, sometimes you almost believe they're projecting for fear's sake. You don't know for sure. You hope that's not the case. But it gets your attention. But love. See, Jesus had to get Peter's undivided attention. Peter, do you love me? Peter, what could I do with your life if you really love me? If I really fully had your undivided attention, Peter, what could I do with you? Through this whole COVID, maybe before, but especially during for some of you, you've started watching church more often because there's no sports maybe <laughs> to watch. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's easier access. But something has got your attention. And I hope and pray as Jesus gets your attention, you'll take some advice from an old pro who sometimes does and doesn't, heed as quick as he should if Jesus has got your attention listen listen what would it take to get your attention and for you to act if this season hasn't gotten our attention I'm not saying Jesus brought it on but I know for one thing he won't waste it And unfortunately, there's been loss of life, sickness, loss of income. I, I, it breaks my heart that we look at this right now and go, this, this has, it, maybe some of this has gotten our attention in a different way than we would have before. I hate that. But for Peter, I believe at this point, what Jesus was going to ask him to do to lead the church that we would still be talking about 2,000 years later, he had to nail this down. For some of you, you need to nail this down. You won't have peace. You won't have direction. You won't have an understanding of what needs to happen until this happens. 
The next thing I would say is, Jesus was just straight up. <laughs> I don't have a better term. That may be dated. But he was just straight up with him. He hurt him, the word says, that Peter hurt because Jesus asked the third time. But even more than that, I have a feeling Jesus may have said, uh, Bubba, yeah, I do know you. And Bubba, I need you to sit down here because I got something to tell you. I'm going to tell you what the future holds. It doesn't end well. <laughs> or maybe it did. Jesus describes Peter's death to Peter that he would die by crucifixion. I don't know about you, but I'd rather just know it's going to happen someday. Because for Peter, what's amazing about Peter learning this and when you read the rest of this and what Peter did and how Peter acted and what Peter did for us to be here today, when you read it, you would think there in those moments that Peter maybe hopefully died in the next few years. The best we can understand, Peter lived another 30 to 40 years. John Wesley said maybe 36 more years with this hanging over his head. Think about that. He's being told that when you are old, you will be taken and dressed in the way that you don't want to be. And Jesus is predicting his death, but Peter steps into boldness. Now, we'll tell you more why over the next two weeks in the power of the Holy Spirit. Peter didn't do it on his own. Peter needed to be clear about this. Jesus was straight up with him. There'd been enough misunderstandings up to this point, right? <laughs> it's just time to go, okay, Peter, here's the deal. <laughs> there is a high cost to not being open and straight up. One of the reasons the disciples ran was because they didn't understand. They didn't, they didn't quite get it. They had wrong expectations. There's no doubt what has happened in our world over these last many weeks is more than an inconvenience. It is a disruption. Again, sadly, the loss of life, sickness, income, the disruption around the world. And this disruption, this disruption has happened in the world to people who believe and people who don't believe. This disruption has happened into businesses and it has happened to churches. But we as believers should have already known and not be surprised by disruption and change. This is a book of change. That's what this is. Jesus came as the great disruptor <laughs> to transform our lives. No matter what the circumstances, no matter if they were brought on, why they were brought on, but in the midst of those circumstances for us to be changed, for us to give him our full attention and for him to be very straight up with us. I didn't come just so you'll have comfort and security. I came that you may have life. He sure didn't promise Peter's comfort and security, but he promised Peter life. 
If you decide to follow Jesus, expect change. Expect disruption. Yes, there will be peace and hundreds of unexpected blessings that you won't be able to count. But also expect to be uncomfortable when you say yes to Jesus. If you don't like change, and I know this is not a very good PR deal for the church, it's better off not to become a Christian. Because <laughs> he's the author of change. Peter asked, I didn't read here, he asked about John's fate, and Jesus talks about that. But Jesus says it two times in this passage of Scripture in verse 29 as he indicated his death and as he talked about what would happen to John. And Jesus answered both times, ended it with this, follow me. Despite what Peter's future held, Jesus says, follow me. I am convinced of this. Leading is hard. I am also just as convinced, and I'm sure Peter would attest to this, that following is hard. They're both hard. But I love what Matthew 14, this is way back, Matthew 4, excuse me, 4, 18 through 22, as Jesus is walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. See, Jesus' aim was not dis- trying to discover the condition of Peter's heart. I think he knew Peter's heart. What he was trying to do was to remind Peter, you have been called. I'm trying to bring that passion back to you. I'm trying to bring that back to the forefront of what you knew way back then, three and a half years before. Because what I called you to follow me in three and a half years before is different today. Oh, I'm asking you to leave your fish in your nets. Oh, that part, yes. But follow me, what it meant three and a half years before, and what follow me meant that day to Peter were two fully different things. Peter was now being asked to lead the church. When God called me to youth ministry in 1992 to take 25 teenagers and adults to Mexico, when he said, follow me, means something different than COVID-19. 28 years later, there's something different about that follow me. I had better grown. I had better changed. I'd better let Jesus get my attention along the way so I'd be prepared for this time. Because it's still follow me. And if you're sitting at home today and you go, well, that's because you're a pastor. No, follow me is follow me. When Jesus, Jesus is speaking to all of us here is to get our attention and to be straight up with us. If you misunderstand what his purpose is for our life, then you will fully be frustrated and at times not be at peace. I'll just be very forthright with you over these last many weeks. There are times as, a, as, your, as your pastor and as the leader of where we're trying to get to, No doubt, I've dealt with anxiety. I'm not going to tell you I haven't. Not everybody does, but I I do. 
And if I didn't have such a sense of responsibility for whatever reason, I don't know if it's because of what I watched from my parents or what it was, whether that's been given to me or it's of God and, and a mixture of all that. All I know is I could go to a dark place sitting around worried about all this. I try to get the best information I can and try to apply it where we can. And no doubt there have been times there has been crossed my mind over this last many weeks. I should have been more prepared. I should have been like that leader. Look how far ahead they were. You see around us right now, people are reopening. I know down the street, some churches today are meeting, some are not. And you're going, well, why? are you just waiting for somebody to decide for you? No, we're praying. And we're asking, we're asking good questions. Because I told you way back in March, as I've said about trying to teach other, tell people that Jan and I would never write a book on parenting. Because we had a hard enough time just raising our kids. I'm not going to try to raise yours too unless you gave them to me an hour or two a week. I might help in that sense as a youth pastor. But I feel the same way about churches. I have a hard enough time trying to lead this one. I'm not going to try to lead that one over there and that one over there and that one over there. But I may learn something. I'm going to pay attention. But I will say this, when we come back, it won't be the same. It just won't be the same. And matter of fact, it doesn't need to be the same. Some of it. Guess what? We didn't live stream. We'll see what God's got has opened the door for us that we should have probably already been leaning into. But now we've stepped into it by his grace has helped us to get there. There may be a season, and we're praying about it right now. Be praying for us as leadership, trying to figure out how to go about doing this because there may be, there no doubt will be a season where things will be different, but they eventually may get back to the same. But for a season, they may be a little different. But I'll tell you what, when we do come into this building again, when we talk about open, but just so you know, we never closed. I want you to be sure you understand that. Actually, we're more active maybe than we've been in years reaching more people we, as, our, as our blessing strategy. Unless this disruption happens, we've given, I know, at least $15,000 away to our community and around the country and around the world and not counting the other things that God has taught us to do, connecting and calling people and having more conversations. There are things we would not have done these two months if this disruption had not happened. I didn't ask for it. And, and I hate the fact, like I said earlier, there's been so much loss but it's where we are. How do we lean into it? How do we step into it? What has got our attention? I will commit this to you about reopening. We're one week closer than we were. <laughs> See, I'm convinced great churches and great leadership they have to learn how to be productive and impactful in the uncomfortable and in the disruption. And this just may cause us to be, always be more prepared if there's another one down the road. Our God is a God of change. He's a God of transformation. He is a God that expects us to be ready to move. He wants to have our undivided attention every day. He wants to be straight up with us. It is not necessarily going to be easy. 
But he, what does he say? My peace I don't give you as the world gives you. And we'll talk more in the next few weeks about the comforter and the counselor. But let me say this about if you, if you push back a lot on change. Renovation Church would not be here today if eight years ago there wasn't a big disruption on this campus. It just would not be here. There's a potential some of your callings may not have expanded if we don't have the big disruption. There's a chance some of you may not even be in the kingdom. I don't know how all that works, so don't hold me to that. How, all the, how people come into the Lord, you may have come from some other avenue, but some of you would never have had connections around this room unless there was a huge disruption. Lord, what are you saying to us? Lord, help us. We want to give you our undivided attention. Help us, Lord, to know what you're saying. Because sometimes we do misunderstand. But Lord, we want your wisdom on how to even reopen your church. But Lord, I do believe this. When we, we may have to wait a little bit longer because when we do come back into this place, we do want it to have at least some semblance of worshipfulness, <laughs> some semblance of community. And Lord, would just help us to know what to do with that. And then there may be a point, it just seems right to us and the Holy Spirit to do it. And that's all we got. <laughs> but Lord, help us. I'm going to ask Josiah and him to come as we close. What has your attention today? Jesus says in John 14, 12 and 15, back to John 14, we may talk about it again. It says, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing and they will do even greater things than these. Whew. Are you kidding me? But in verse 15 says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Peter, if you love me, do what I ask you. When I get your attention and you know what I'm saying, don't put it off a month. Don't put it off three months. Don't put it off six months. Don't put it off a year today. Now, you may have known a few weeks ago he was getting your attention. I'm going to encourage you today if he's got your attention right now to step into that. Whatever it means, whatever it means. Because I think that's the thing that I think we get wrestling with sometimes. We will do it on our terms. It's his terms. Peter, do you love me? Follow me. Lord, what all does that mean? What about John? Doesn't matter. You, Peter follow me. Lord, we come before you right now, thanking you that you receive us just as we are. Lord, this week for some of us, as may have already been said here, Lord, that even anxiety had our attention. The news had our attention. But Lord, I pray today that you would allow us to bring focus in on you, that there is no question in our minds. The best we can understand it. What you ask us to do. 
we will follow you. Lord, help us understand it. And Lord, we thank you for the words for Peter and his life. That even though he knew this was hanging over his head, even though he had been that one who had denied Jesus, talked out a turn, all those things, he became this bold, humble, supernaturally infilled leader of your church. And the kingdom changed because of it. Lord, thank you right now. And Lord, I pray for those who may right now have never accepted you as their Savior. That if they would just, even on the way we do it from our chat room, to let us know how to pray and how we can be in contact if, if they so choose. We love you today. Thank you for this time. We pray it in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing just a little bit, and then I'll come back and pray for us as we close. So thankful for the words. I just hope when we do get to meet back together, I hope you'll be excited. Be praying for us, because we are asking questions. We are looking at that, and we know we will probably never go back to where we were, but I don't think we need to. God is moving us forward, and that's how we're going to look at this. Thank you, friends, for all of our campuses. <laughs> Bless them. We love you, and we can't wait to be able to be on this campus again, and we'll be a part of that. Blessings. Love you.